Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. And so my premise from what from last week and continuing today is that we today, you and I, are living in the beginning stages of the generation that the Lord will return. And so God is preparing a bride who is awake, who's watchful, and who's ready. Hopefully you remember that from last week. Now, Jesus said that no one knows the day or the hour of his return, but he does tell us in Matthew 24, when you see all of these things that he's been talking about for an entire chapter, when you see all of these things happen in one generation, this generation will not pass away before all these things happen. And so he talks about a generation that will see all of those signs in Matthew 24 at one time, and he says, no, that the Son of Man is at the door. And so here's what he tells us uh, to be prepared for that. So let's, we have on the screen Matthew 24. I just want to read this briefly. Matthew 24, verse 42 to 44 says this. Matthew 24, verse 42. If you have your Bible, you can follow along. Jesus says, Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. So, Think about that for a minute. Because we don't know the day, that's why we've got to be alert. That's why we've got to be awake. That's why we've got to be watchful. That's why we've got to be ready. Okay? This is not knowing the day or hour is not an excuse to ignore Matthew 24 and 25 or the book of Revelation or any other passage in Scripture that talks about the end times. The fact that we don't know is all the more reason to be on the alert and be prepared. Verse 43 says, but be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think he will. So there's, a, there's, a, there's not only a call to be ready and be on the alert for the coming of the Lord and for all of the events related to it. So it's not just be ready for him to split the sky. It's be ready for the shakings and the famines and the pestilence and the persecution and the gospel going out and the abomination of desolation. Everything he's talked about. Be ready, be on the alert for these things. And there's a danger that if we don't watch, we will be taken over as a thief in the night and we will suffer unnecessary loss that could have been avoided had we prepared. Okay? So, Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, Four places to watch. The world, the church, the Middle East, and the sky. The world, the church, the Middle East, and the sky. If you're in your homes right now, I want you to say this with me because it's really important. The world, the church, the Middle East, and the sky. Very good. In the world, famines, earthquakes, pestilence, wars, rumors of wars, false Christs, all kinds of things like this going on, nation rising against nation. In the church, there will be persecution. There will be brother betraying brother. Family members will be handing over other family members to the authorities in the last days and will betray one another, and the love of many will grow cold, and the gospel will go to all nations. There's a call to endurance for, this, uh, for what's going to happen in the church. The Middle East, the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist, He's going to rise up, and the book of Revelation tells us he is going to have authority and influence across all the nations, and he will persecute the saints. 
And then finally, the sky, the sun will be darkened, the moon turned into blood, the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. There will be a trumpet sound, the voice of an archangel, and the angels will be sent to gather the elect across the four winds of heaven. So those are the four places. Now, there's a uniqueness in our generation that I want to remind us of, because folks say, well, hasn't every generation believed that they were the generation that the Lord would return? Well, that's true that a small portion of saints throughout history have believed they were it, but I want to highlight some uniqueness about our generation that has not been true of any other generation in the past. Number one, Matthew 24, 14 says, this gospel will go to all nations and then the end will come. As we talked about last week, by 2025, top mission, missions organizations have united together to send a missions team to every single people group. There's some 5,000 people groups across the earth. They'll have a team ready in the next five years on the ground. That's not been true of any other generation. Secondly, in the Middle East, we have Israel as a state. Once again, we have a, a Jewish political and religious leadership in Israel. Has not happened since 70 AD. That happened in 1948. In 1967, they took back Jerusalem. And in 2018, our very own Donald Trump publicly recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and begins to move the U.S. Embassy to Israel. Um, so those are the unique things that are happening in our generation. And I want to say, too, night and day prayer. I mean, this global prayer movement is just exploding. And Jesus said in Luke 18, if, my, if, if, if the elect, that they'll cry out day and night to me, will I not bring justice speedily? And that is an end-time passage. So this global prayer movement is very key. So last thing, I believe that the church will be here for the entire tribulation of Matthew 24. We will be here, folks. And we've got to be awake. We've got to be watchful. And we've got to be ready. We talked about the danger of not knowing. And some folks have been so uh, uncomfortable or unknowing, ignorant, not in a demeaning sense, but just don't know a lot about the end times or the book of Revelation, that they're scared of this topic. Um, and and, and, and they, they ignore the book of Revelation. But the book of Revelation says, blessed is he who hears, who reads, and who keeps the words of this prophecy. So there's a blessing that comes with knowing the book of Revelation and the events related to it and the heart of Jesus that is there when, uh, that's, that's, that's uh, what Jesus' heart is in the midst of those events. So um, we want to know what's going to happen and how we shall live. So that's all I have. Tracy, do you have any points you want to add to that before we go to Q&A? No, but I think, uh, well, yes. I said no, but I meant yes. Um, yes, I do. Um, I think when you read through Matthew 24 and 25, it really is an instruction manual about how to prepare yourselves for the last days um, so that you are doing the two things that it says, that you are watching, that you are ready, and that you are prepared. Um, I think that's really um, what we want. If we're prepared, we're not just prepared in the natural, but we're prepared in the spirit. And so as we're prepared in the spirit, we're strong in the spirit. We, um, we are strong in our faith. We're strong in our love. 
And so that when things begin to shake and the transition, God transitioning all of us for the return of his son and to be prepared as a bride for the return of the bridegroom, we are not, we don't grow cold in our love, but we have an understanding of what he's doing. Therefore, not only can we be strong in our love, strong in our faith in this hour, but we can instruct many and help them to understand what's happening so they don't become cold in love, offended at God, and 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 fearful. And so that's really uh, what we're trying to do at Storehouse. We're really trying to communicate. We've been in the book of Revelation now for, gosh, 12 years. And there's so many things about, if you have never heard that the church is going to be here until the end, I can tell you just my own personal testimony that I remember um, thinking that we were all going to be raptured and we're not going to experience any trouble or any pain. And, and really, that is, that is a basic human condition. Um, for all of humanity, the number one thing that, that, that humanity tries to do is avoid pain. I'm going to create a life that's going to avoid pain. So if you're going to tell me anything as a prophet, and that's why Israel killed the prophets, is the prophets were saying judgment is coming, judgment is coming, you better change the way that you're acting. But they didn't want to hear that. What they wanted to hear is I just want to have a pleasurable life with the least amount of pain. And if anybody's saying anything opposite, it can't possibly be true. But um, when God is coming to judge, he's coming to judge the wickedness in the land. And, and there is a, there is a certain grace that's going to fall on his people to endure to the end. But we also have to have the knowledge and the understanding of what his word says in order to be prepared. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, shall we dive into the questions? Yeah, let's dive into okay, the questions. Great. So we've got a few questions here that we've already received from people in our body that some folks have just sent us on social media that we don't know from Adam, so I'm excited that other folks are watching it. Um, but you do have an opportunity right now on the YouTube page as you're watching this live stream in the comment section to add some questions. And we have Anne Marie that's gonna be moderating those. And as those come up, uh, she's just gonna flag us and we'll try to get to many of as many of those as we can. So first question, where are we in the timeline of the end times? Well, I believe we're in the beginning of sorrows. Um, and again, you can take um, what Matthew said, where are the four areas that we are supposed to be watching? And the, and I believe that the internet is actually a gift from God because we can actually, um, there's so many, uh, so much available for us to go and to research. And there's so much open sources for research. And so we can see where we are in the world, where we are in Israel, or the Middle East, where we are, the things that are going on in the sky, because there are signs in the skies. And so, and and then we can also see what what's the prophetic word? What is God saying in this hour? And then how does that compare to what God is saying in his word? And so I believe that we're in the beginning of sorrows because a lot of these things are beginning to line up. Right. And I just want to break that down a little bit. What does she mean by beginning of sorrows? Well, Matthew 24 tells us four main stages, and it has, it's related to these signs. The signs in the world, the famines, the earthquakes, the pestilence, the nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Jesus says, do not be troubled. This is just the beginning of sorrows. So that's stage one is beginning of sorrows. Stage two is the great falling away. And he talks about that 
in Matthew 24 as well. The persecution, love of many growing cold, brother betraying brother. Um, so, so we have a massive, in, in 1 Timothy, um, Paul warns us about this in 1 Timothy, that um, in the last days, many will depart from the faith. So a number of Christians, as these shakings intensify, they will abandon faith in Jesus Christ and deny him. And that's very, it's very intense. That's stage two. Stage three is the great tribulation. In the great tribulation, the man of sin, the Antichrist, is revealed. The Second Thessalonians 2, Paul is very clear, the day of the Lord will not come until the falling away, which was stage two, and the man of sin is revealed. At stage three, this is the abomination of desolation in the Middle East. When stage three happens, when the man of sin is revealed, the Bible gives us the day of the Lord's return from that point on. When the man of sin is revealed, when we know who the Antichrist is, and he stands up in the temple and claims to be God, again, 2 Thessalonians 2, Revelation is so clear that we have three and a half years from that point on till the return of Jesus. And let me just break in here for a minute. There's enough information in the word of God. God was so gracious to his people. There is enough information here. There are uh, enough clues here and, and signs that he's given us that we can look at that as they begin to happen, we realize that these are markers and we can look at it and know where we are. And again, it says in, in Ezekiel that those that know their God and his word know that his word, will go forth and do great exploits in the last days. And so that's who we want to be. We want to be the ones gathering the harvest, being messengers who are messengers of fire with the truth of God that will begin to cause people to come into the truth. Because right now, the plumb line is falling in the body of Christ, and the truth of God is available for those who are willing to get it. Absolutely. And so we believe that we're in stage one, that we're in that beginning of sorrows. However, we see trends of stage two, three, and four happening yeah. right now. Yeah. And so these, are, these, isn't, these aren't just stage one happens, it's done, stage two happens, it's done. I mean, there's, 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 they're kind of, they, there are stages, but there are also things that are happening at the same there, time. You can see stage two and stage three beginning to ramp up. Right. You can see things happening in the background. And again, for those that have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying and the revelation of the markers in the Word so that we will be wise right. in this hour. And so what, what we haven't seen yet in stage, in, well, what, what we have seen, we've seen shakings, we've seen famines, earthquakes, pestilence. We've seen those things for really the past two millennia. Um, we've, we've seen persecutions break out in different points of history in very isolated places across the earth. Um, and we've seen different types of the Antichrist. We saw in 70 AD the destruction of the temple under, um, under, under Titus, um, 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 Roman leader, at that, uh, Roman general at that time. Um, so we see that, but in, in, in we haven't, what we haven't seen is we haven't seen all nations hating Christians for the sake of Jesus. Now, we've, we've seen some trends heading in that way, even in our own nation. Yep. And so we want to be watchful. We want to be ready for that. We haven't seen the man of sin revealed, the abomination of desolation, stand up in a rebuilt temple, claim to be God. We haven't seen that. But we see a lot of energy around attempts to build a third temple. We see the Jewish people back in the land and Jews praying at the Western Wall on a 
basically daily basis. Um, I'm sure current restrictions have limited a lot of that, but over for, for the past, you know, since 1967, Jews have been going into Jerusalem mm-hmm. and praying in the temple. And I tell you, they are seeking a, a, a way to rebuild another temple. So we, this is, this hasn't happened with any other generation. So even though we're in stage one, you know, like, wow, we're only in stage one of four. We've got a long time. No, we're seeing trends of stage mm-hmm. two and three mm-hmm. come up really quickly. Yeah, really so fast. so this, this thing could heat up quick, okay? <clears throat> yeah, so we want to be ready, but we also want to understand, and this is where the beauty of the Word of God and, and the prayer movement, I think, begins to prepare a bride. Well, a bride is prepared in love. And, and, and knowing the heart of, of Jesus is that he is uh, in the heart of the Father is they are looking um, to bring and prepare his bride to Jesus with the least amount of pain and the, to produce the greatest amount of love. That's the heart of the Father. I love how Mike Bickle says that. And you have to understand that the heart of the Father is, is he doesn't want, he's not looking to uh, penalize his church, but he's looking to purify his church. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Oh, I want to, let me just jump in here for a minute because I do want to talk about the season. And so if you'll look at Matthew 24, verse uh, 32, where, um, where Jesus is talking about the parable of the fig tree. And, of course, it goes back to what's happening in Israel. But I want to focus on the leadership of the church and how they are uh, commanded by God, I believe, here in Matthew 24, to talk about and to tell about the time and the season that we're living in. And so uh, here we have Jesus, and he's saying this in verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When the branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. So, so he's saying, listen, you know it's summer. That means you know that what season it is. You're looking at the fig tree. Well, the fig tree is, this is Israel. He's talking about Israel. It's a symbol. The fig tree is a symbol of the nation of Israel. So when you begin to see the nation of Israel begin to bloom again, you know what season you're in, which means you know that something is happening. Something is afoot, and you can go, wait a minute, we've got, and never before in, in, when you've had a nation destroyed, do you have a couple of things? Do you have the, the um, language of the nation and the nation itself, even though it's scattered all throughout the earth, be restored? You don't see that happening with Rome. I mean, Rome was the, you don't see it happening with Babylon. You don't see these kind of things happening, but yet you saw it with the nation of Israel because God spoke it. So when you begin to see these things happen, it says this, assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. And so he's saying, listen, there is when, when there was a marker when, when Israel became a nation again. He could not return until he had Israel established in the earth as a nation. It's important to him. And he said that that generation will not pass away until we begin to see all these things take place, which is, in fact, happening right now before our eyes. And I just want to highlight the absolute significance of the nation of Israel. I mean, prophets have talked about the end times for, for millennia now. 
passages from Zechariah, from Isaiah, from Daniel, from Nahum, Micah, Malachi. I mean, all of it, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, all these folks. And for nearly 2,000 years, because Israel was not a nation after 70 AD, because a temple was destroyed, and because there was not a Jewish religious and political leadership in the land of Israel, most of those prophetic scriptures were spiritualized, symbolized, or ignored. Um, But with Israel back on the map, the church is saying, whoa, Zechariah 12 through 14 is making a lot more sense now on how um, 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 Ezekiel, Daniel, all of these guys, it's like this could actually happen now. So this is the most massive sign is Israel back in the land. And then secondly, is this gospel going to all nations? And then the end will come, Matthew 24, 14. By 2025, these top missions organizations have strategically mapped out how to have a mission team on the ground for every single people group across the earth. You can find this out, finishingthetask.com. That's mm-hmm. finishingthetask.com, and it will take you to a number of other links. It, that's not just one organization. That's a conglomeration of top missions organizations saying, we're in this together. We're going to do this. We're going to reach every nation in our generation. That's good, Matthew. All right, so I want to go on um, with that thought about what he says. Okay, so we know we're in this, we're in the generation, and he's saying this is the season. And then he goes down in verse 45, and he's talking to, I believe, the leadership. Well, it's obvious, the leadership of his church or of his um, people. And he says this in verse 45, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. What due season? Well, the season of the blooming of the fig tree. So that in that generation, he he will begin to give them food, meaning spiritual food that says, wake up and watch, wake up and watch, wake up and watch. We are the generation of the Lord's return. And so he goes back and he says this, blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all of his goods. But if the if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant will come in that day when he is not looking for him and at that hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a huge warning to the leadership in his church, to the pastors and to the prophets, to the priests and the prophets. And he is saying, do not be drunk in this hour telling my people, peace, peace, do not fear. You are not going, Jesus is not returning. And, and, and he doesn't even say here that, that, that it's, the, it's the faithful and unfaithful servants. He says it's the faithful and the wise and the evil. Those that do not tell his people about this hour that we are living in to say, wake up and watch because Jesus is coming. He said that they, he considers them evil and he will cut them in two. I think that's just terrifying. It's sobering. It's It's sobering. sobering. I want to move on to the next question. And uh, we've addressed some of it, but I think there's a couple of things we could say on that. It says, um, the next question was, hasn't every generation believed they were the generation? Um, Again, the truth is, 
the first century church did, did seem to be a lot of energy believing that they were the generation. And, but, and they were preparing. I mean, Jesus, all these words, Matthew 24 and 25, were, those people were still alive, you know, yep. in the first century. Um, now they saw delay. There was some energy on it again in isolated areas where persecution broke out really intensely. Third century, fourth century, we saw persecutions under Emperor Decian and Diocletian, just horrible things that they did. Um, and lots of Christians were killed. There was a lot of energy then. The Lord tarried. Okay, we, um, um, there was a bit of that, again, at the turn of the first millennium, um, again, in isolated places, um, um, but not a vast majority of Christians. Right now in our generation, there is a growing conviction amongst many people in the body of Christ, and this, this, this urgency of equipping messengers, day of the Lord messengers, mm-hmm. which I just commend Mike Bickle and IHOP Kansas City, they are equipping people all across the world to be prepared for the day of the Lord. Yeah. We have not had this kind of universal con- conviction that we are in the generation of the Lord's return in any other generation. So what does that mean practically? Is Jesus coming back in 10 years, 50 years, 80 years? A biblical generation can range anywhere from 40 to 100 years. Yeah. Um, Israel was in Egypt, it says, for four generations, and that totaled out 430 years. Um, so it can, it can approximate, it can be as high as 100 years. And when's the marker? When's, when do we know, when did the clock start ticking? Um, I don't know exactly. My vote is when Israel yeah, came back on the my map. Vote. Um, now, whether you go with the 1948, their estate, or 1967, Jerusalem is there, is, is in their hands. We don't know. So is it going to be 10 years or 50 years? Um, I'm not sure. I think, um, I think we're somewhere in between yeah. the 10 to 50-year mark. Yeah. That's my personal opinion based on biblical signs that we're seeing in the earth right now. Right. And I think we're seeing a lot of, you know, the, the thing about things like Mark of the Beast and being having a chip or, you know, a mark and, you know, and, and buying and selling. And so you're beginning to see certain things ideologies that are um, demonically inspired, ideologies that are demonically inspired. And so you see certain people groups and and very uber wealthy people, and they're coming up with thoughts and ideas and, you know, that I believe are not, are not, they're not yielded to the Holy Spirit and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so they're building according to a different ideology. And so you can see that kind of starting to swirl. And that's the thing about the mark of the beast. People are like, well, I'm afraid. How do I know? Well, there's not going to be, if you are a believer and you're watching, you're going to know there's not going to be any confusion whatsoever. What the mark of the beast is. For those that are watching. For those that are watching. That are awake, that are ready. Right. Okay. Yes. So we got an online question Annie's going to pass on to us. Yeah, our teens would like to know to that point, what is the mark of the beast and does it relate to COVID-19? What is the mark of the beast? Does it relate to COVID-19? Or how does it relate to COVID-19? The mark of the beast, with the clearest evidence we have of what that is, is in Revelation chapter 13. You want to know Revelation 13 well if you want to know the mark of the beast. Um, that is the chapter about the Antichrist. Now, I want to just say something here. Revelation 13 is the only chapter that's specifically devoted to the Antichrist. The rest of the book is about Jesus destroying the Antichrist. <laughs> okay, so the book of Revelation is not about Satan taking over the world. It's about Jesus cleansing the earth of Satan's influence and evil. Okay, so Revelation 13, you have the Antichrist, you'll have a false prophet, 
and they will um, set up an image of the beast, a physical image of the beast that will have breath and will have life to it. And those that do not bow down and worship the beast and his image will suffer the pain of death. And we saw a picture of this in the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He did the same thing. He set up a statue and said, all right, everybody, bow down or die. And so we see a picture of it there. But that's going to happen again, folks. And what else is going to happen with this mark of the beast is that it is going to be, what the Bible tells us is that it will be a mark on the forehead or on the hand. Now, will this be tattooed? Will this be chip implant? Will this, I'm not sure. Okay, and as far as the number 666 and um, all, all that, people kind of get wrapped up in, is the chip the mark of the beast? Here's something you've got to know about the mark of the beast. It has, um, it has a physical component, it has an economic component, and it has a, um, a uh, spiritual component. The mark of the beast will in some way affect our hand and our head. Um, our hand or our head. <laughs> Um, it will be a physical mark in some way. It will have an economic element to it. No buying or selling without this mark. No going to the grocery store. No ordering Walmart or going to McDonald's and putting in your order ahead of time. You know, right now, it's like you can't come in without a face mask. With the mark of the beast says you can't come in without the mark of the beast. I mean, it's, it's, and so COVID, does that have to do with COVID? It's there, I understand safety measures, folks, but just be watchful, be ready. This is one of the ways that the enemy is conditioning people to right. say, you cannot have access to food unless you've got this right. on your head or your hand. And so right now, what you're, what you're doing is not necessarily looking at, well, this plague or that plague or whatever, but looking at the technology. Because if the technology is available and you begin to see, like we're seeing right now, a worldwide shaking, you just have to watch and see what begins to happen. And if they decide to get rid of money and they decide that it's safer or whatever to, to put a chip in our hand or, or some sort of uh, uh, scale or whatever right. on our for, tattoo on our forehead, whatever it may be, under the skin or whatever – Lord knows I'm not getting anything on my forehead, right? <laughs> absolutely. And so, but there's a third component that's absolutely significant. Right. Because like, how do I recognize if it's the mark, if the chip comes out? How do I know if it's the mark? The spiritual component is absolutely necessary. The spiritual component is when you take this mark on your hand or on your forehead, that it is a sign that you are worshiping the Antichrist. You are giving de wholehearted devotion to the worship mm -hmm. of the Antichrist and of this image that he sets up. Right. And so that's what it will be. And it, it will be clear that that is, you must bow down to Antichrist. That will be the, the propaganda with it. You First, it needs to go on your hand. You can't get food without it. And it is means that you're devoted to the worship of the Antichrist. Okay? Um, and so those three things. So the chip, if it doesn't entail worshiping the Antichrist or worshiping Satan, we know that's not the mark of the beast. However, it's conditioning people, and it's and it's 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 we want to be watchful and prayerful and ready about whatever. And I tell you, yeah, we don't want to be stupid sheep. 
Exactly. You don't follow every and believe everything. You have to know the voice of the Lord and be watching. What is God saying about this? I need to hear what you think about this, God. And and so that's when you say, "Mm, even though the authorities say for me to do this or whatever, or I'm gonna I'm gonna go hungry. My family's gonna go hungry. Trust me, if you are a son or daughter of the Most High God, you are not gonna go hungry. He is not gonna let you go hungry. You will supernaturally produce food. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Good. Good question. Okay. Um, Any, another one? Okay. Oh, great. Go ahead, Annie. We keep hearing prophetic words about a coming great harvest or great awakening. How does this great harvest fit into the Matthew 24 timeline? It's really uh, actually in the book of Revelation talks about uh, the angels that are loosed from the Lord and they are loosed in order to come and reap the harvest from the earth. And that is in Matthew. I mean, in Revelation, uh, Revelation 14. 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right after um, the Antichrist. And and so there is a great harvest that's coming and it actually comes in connection with a lot of the tribulation and the shaking that hits the earth. Right. Right. And the harvest um, we see in Matthew 13, Jesus gives the parable of, of, of the wheat and the tares. Um, and so what we have at the end of the age is that there's, a, that in that parable, I won't go through it in detail, but we see wheat and tares planted in the same field, and they are ripening at the same time. See, God isn't right now just taking out all the wicked people and leaving all the Christians here on earth. You know, some of us think that would make life a lot easier, but... It, it wouldn't. It would actually take out a lot of Christians in the process. Um, and that's future, the future Christians. Right, future Christians. Yes, exactly. We want them to get saved. Jesus wants them to get saved. Um, but so um, um, Jesus says at the end, at the harvest, the servants of the master are going to come and they're going to reap the wheat and the tares and they're going to they're gather the wheat into the barn and they're going to throw out the tares and put them in the fire. And so the harvest is a reaping of believers and of non-believers at the end of the age. Jesus says very clearly, the harvest is the end of the age. Um, now, as far as a heart prophecies about an end-time gathering of souls into the kingdom, and what people mean is a lot of people that don't know Jesus before the Lord returns are going to know Jesus, like, like a billion people. A billion soul harvest is what we've been hearing for the past 20, 30 years. And I believe that, and we are praying for that. Um, how does that fit in Matthew 24? Matthew 24, 14, this gospel will go to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus is saying, I am sending out you, my messengers, to gather this harvest of people as the gospel is going out to all nations. And that will happen in this, at the same time there's a great falling away, stage two, there's going to be a great gathering of believers. Right. Mm -hmm. And Uh, I believe right now, I believe right now what we see happening is I believe we, we are beginning to see, and I love what Bob Jones said, the harvesters of harvesters. And so I think we're going to see a, a, a bringing in of harvesters that then will be laboring throughout the, the next 10, 15 years to continue to bring in the harvest. Right. And if, um, there was a guy, Nick Hall, I don't remember the ministry he's with, but he did an online Easter resurrection service, and they broadcasted this in 43 different languages across multiple nations. And uh, he was on Christian Broadcasting Network, and they saw over 117,000 people um, commit their lives to the Lord 
as a result of that one sermon. So in one day, 117,000 people from across 40 mm-hmm. different people groups came to faith in Jesus in one day. Yeah. The global harvest, I mean, I'm just like, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We're yeah. about to see so much more. Good. Yeah. Another question. We have another question out of Acts 3.21, where it said, Paul said, Jesus must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things has taken place. Yes. How does this fit into the end times? Right. The restoration of all things. Um, that, I believe, Acts chapter 3, um, that heaven must hold Jesus until the restoration of all things. And so there's a time coming where Jesus, he, in book of Revelation, we see this, chapter 21, behold, I make all things new. That's really what the, the book of Revelation is all about. And so even the, the, the great tribulation, the falling away, is Jesus restoring the earth back to the Garden of Eden state, and even really greater and beyond. Mm-hmm. And so the restoration of all things is that the tribulation, the, the, all of that plays a part. Why? Because he's refining the saints. He's gathering a harvest of souls. He's cleansing the earth of evil. Mm-hmm. And he's, he is physically returning and to set up his millennial reign, his 1,000 years in Revelation chapter 20. And so he is going to restore not only hearts, he's going to restore the physical earth, mm-hmm. okay? And so when Jesus Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, until it's time to say, okay, the wheat and the tares have ripened, righteousness and wickedness have both ripened. We're going to gather the believers into heaven. We're going to gather the unbelievers and, 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 and throw them into the lake of fire, is what that means, um, and, that, um, and that Jesus is going to physically restore the earth. All things, every sphere of society, the new Jerusalem is coming down from heaven to earth. Folks, when Jesus comes back, the saints, our, our end goal is to dwell on the earth in a renewed and restored earth with Jesus, and heaven will hold him until it's time to set that all up. Also, I believe that it has to do with the number, the restoration of all things, the number of the saints that will be saved. There is a tipping point and a number, uh, a quantity of that I believe that the Lord is looking for. And he talks about it here in Revelation 5, verse 11, where several of the seals had been opened. And um, then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to to them, to the martyrs. These are the martyrs in heaven crying out for justice because they've been killed for their faith right then a white white robe was given to each of them and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed so there is actually a number that he's that he is actually looking for in order that that then are going to be part of his family and so when that is completed that's when they know that that he'll come back and bring justice. Right. He wants the wedding banquet full. He, he wants, wants the, it full. He wants the city, New Jerusalem, full. Amen. Another question. Man, way How to do bring I in the watch questions. and be ready without going to one extreme of not living my life or another extreme of being asleep? Should I still get married and have kids? Should I quit my job and become a missionary? Should I store food? Oh, well, there's three things there. <laughs> First of all, yes, you should get married. And have kids. We want to populate heaven. You know, we want to have an eternal life with those that we love. 
And so do not stop those things. Remember, we are eternal. We are eternal beings. We are, um, we are going to live forever with Jesus. So continue in doing those things and living up your life. Don't, if the, and, and here's the thing, do I quit my job? Do I become a missionary? Because of the hour that we're living, we have to be um, again, wise virgins, which means that we listen. We have lamps that are filled with oil and we're watching to see what the Lord is telling us to do. If the Lord says, I, you are continue in your work in the marketplace, because that's the mountain that I've called you to, that's where you're going to begin to reap harvest in that place. Then that's where you stay. But if he tells you to do something else, then you go do that. That's why it's so important that we we lend ourselves to the Lord and we do what he tells us to do. The the we build a foundation that is a, a strong foundation built on gold and precious stones. We do not build a foundation in um straw and wood and uh wood hay and stubble. Wood have, hay and stubble. We we build a found which is lawlessness. Um and so we build our foundation based on the will of God for our lives. And that that becomes increasingly more important in the days of shaking. Absolutely. You want to be in the will of God. Yeah. And so the the hour that we're living in should have you praying and asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I live? <laughs> How do I live? Here's some basic things that Jesus already gives us. I'm gonna start real basic. First, it's the call to the great commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, yeah. and love your neighbor as yourself. The, the urgency of the hour says, is your heart aligned with God? Yeah. Is your time, is your money, are yeah. your affections, are, do, you, do I have all of those? The Lord yeah. is asking us in this hour. And so we, we do that. And so if God's called you to be in the business and marketplace, you're not building your own kingdom or your own wealth. You're saying, God... How can I use my skills and talents to partner with you in building the kingdom of God yeah. in this great end time harvest? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's how we're doing that. And does God want you to take care of your family? Yes. People that don't take care of their families are worse than unbelievers, it says. Yeah. You know, so you want to make sure your family's taken care of. But God will call some people out of the marketplace because of this information right. into the mission field. And right. so you want to be sensitive to that, but not everybody. And so there's um, Sermon on the Mount Lifestyle. Folks, basics. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, if you listen to these words in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, how you pray, how you fast, how you give, forgiving people that have offended you, mm -hmm. of having a healthy marriage, of mm -hmm. having healthy relationships, and of, mm -hmm. of, of, of ridding your heart of greed and the desires for other things. He's, Jesus says at the end of Matthew 27, he who hears these words of mine and does them. So you, go, you can't just know them. You actually got to obey and do them. Mm -hmm. He says, you're like a wise man who built his house on a firm foundation. Mm -hmm. And when the storms came, the house stood. But if, you, if, if knowing the urgency of the hour that Jesus could come back 10 years, okay, I, I, I get rid of 50 years, 70 years. If, if knowing that you don't do the basics of Sermon on the Mount, when the storms come, everything you've built will mm -hmm. come crashing and it will be a great fall, Jesus says. That's good. And let me address, should I, should I get food? You know, I think everybody should be prepared in the natural and in the spiritual. Yeah. Um, you know, every place around the globe where you've got people that are in let's say hurricane areas or whatever they keep food around and i just think it's wise to have extra food and um 
money and things set aside for times of trouble. Wise people, and it's not that you're storing up, it's that you are preparing just in case. I like to think of it as far as seeds and making sure that I have seeds that I can multiply. Well, I plan on multiplying these cans of food. I plan on multiplying the rice and the beans and flour and the sugar. So um, there's a lot of stuff that you can buy. Um, It's not that expensive. If you even wanted to start buying one a month, I think that it would be wise. Absolutely. I think this is just practical prep. Folks, like, what is it, four or five years ago, a, a, a storm hit Dallas and we were down for like four days without power. 200,000 houses were without power. People freaked out for four days. And I mean, I was it was just a shock to me. I was like, we are so unprepared for Matthew chapter 24 uh, within the past year. Remember that day that a storm hit for 30 minutes? A 30-minute storm just knocked out all of these trees. I mean, it's just been within the past couple of months that this big thing off the highway in Dallas, I mean, they had this huge area where all these uh, branches were taken. It took months to fill it and then more months to clear it out. I'm like, we are so unprepared. And now for COVID, it's just like basic things. So here's what what, um, people recommend just for basic natural disasters. We're not even talking about end times. We're just talking about what well, the power goes out. What if a tornado hits? Yeah, and There's FEMA a, has something on its website, yeah. how to be prepared. Right. And so you can go to FEMA and you can look at that. And um, there's a lot of places where you can go and get dried food right, right. in these big buckets, they, which they re- are great because the bugs can't get to them. Right. They recommend a three-day bug out bag. They recommend a, a, a two-week storage of just basic non-perishable goods. Yeah. And and then they have, if you want to prepare longer for that, some people, God's going to tell you to prepare mm-hmm. for six weeks, six months. Mm-hmm. You've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. Joseph knew that a famine was coming to Egypt, mm-hmm. a seven-year famine, and mm-hmm. he had the wisdom to speak and say, here's how we need to prepare. Here's what we need to set aside yeah. for that trouble. And so it's in, in, in I mean, the book of Proverbs, and, and I just want one last example. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, there was a prophecy given from Agabus the prophet that a famine was about to hit Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And as a response, the church sent natural resources, monetary and natural resources, to the church in Jerusalem because they knew that's where it was going to hit. And so the prophets need to be hearing, there's a famine coming, there's a plague coming, and, and then the church has to get down and pray and say, how do we prepare Physically and spiritually for what's about to come. Right. And that's where the prophets and the priests come in. And we've got to, we can't be drunk in the, in the spirit of this age right now, but we've got to be on the wall watching so that we can speak to the body of Christ and say, this is what the Lord is saying. Prepare yourself in these ways and get even practical ways. And I want to um, just jump in here for a minute because as we look at these things and we go along the timeline of the Lord, um, you can look at, as we hit these markers, you can also say to yourself, well, I've got markers that are like almost like a DEFCOM system, like the United States Army uh, Armed Forces has a DEFCOM system, They and it, and it goes from one to five, and it depends on the level of urgency of what is happening with the enemy, and so they see what what is happening and then they posture and prepare themselves at different levels 
depending on what is going on. And and I think it would be great for us as a body of Christ to as well go, what level am I in? And then how do I know how to respond for my family, for my community? Because I believe we should not just be preparing for our own families, but we should be prepared to feed many people. I agree. I agree. Um, a couple more things I want to say on that is, yes, get married. Yes, have kids. But for goodness sake, Christians, marry a believer. I mean, it. I don't know how many Christians I know that will walk with the Lord for years and will date and marry an unbeliever. And it gets really hard. Um, and, let, and sometimes the other spouse gets saved. And that's awesome. Some of you are in a marriage right now. Your your spouse is not a believer. The word gives us provision for that. It says, hey, keep praying for them. Love them. Don't just bail out. Um, but um, And so there's there's scriptural ways to, to, to do that. But I mean, it's just, it, it makes you think about who you want to marry. I want to marry someone that loves Jesus. I want to marry someone that is that that has a heart to just say, wherever God's calling us, whether in the mission field or in the workplace, I want to have a life of prayer I want to hear from the Lord, and I want to move together and partner with the Lord in seeing his kingdom come. Um, and then um, another, parents, train your kids in the Lord. Train your kids just, in the Lord. You've you've got to do this at home. Yeah. Okay, Julie and Aaron right now are creating all these videos for your kids. Um, sit down with them. You know, there's times where lots going on. You may just need your kids to sit in a soaking set that Julie, Aaron, or, or their team members are leading. That's totally fine. Their their time with the Lord. But also take time throughout the week where you're in the Word together, you're praying together. Yeah. Training your kids doesn't mean just sending them to kids' ministry or to, or to summer camp. It means you, and the Bible is clear about this in Deuteronomy. They had priests that were to teach the people, but they told the parents, Put this on your arm, on your head, write scriptures on your doorpost and talk about them with your kids on the way. Like mm-hmm. they need to be hearing from mom and dad and they need to see it modeled from mom and dad. Well, why is my kid rebellious? Let's just kind of take a mirror in front of us, parents. Right. And see how we're living our lives and how we've been demonstrating that to our kids the past 5, 10, 20 years. Right. And also talk to them about their dreams. Yes. God is pouring out his dreams and visions in this generation of, of young people. Of children, and so we need to be talking to them about what their dreams mean, and that dreams are from the Lord. Right. And if you don't know how to do that, I want you to reach out to Aaron and Julie and say, "Hey, Aaron at StorehouseDallas.com, Julie at StorehouseDallas.com. Yeah. How do I how do I train my kids in this? Right. Um, and how do we train our kids to stand right. in the hour that is upon the right. earth? And then just a real practical plug here: Encounter Jesus School is a great way to get equipped. Um, for what is coming. And I just, you know, some of us, ah, you're just trying to do this to sell EJS. I I just feel an urgency in my heart about Encounter Jesus School this summer right now and the hour that we're living in. I'm pleading with folks that are that that have been thinking about this to really ask the Lord, is is Encounter Jesus School for me? We're gonna have a live version where you are here, we do a freedom party, you're in classes about Jesus, the book of Revelation, about how to pray, the Father heart of God, getting your heart healed and delivered of all kinds of things. Um, And so we've got a focus time live and in person, but this summer we're adding this online component where you can um, where you can take and you don't have to be present at all you can be you can be in Washington you can be in another country and take EJS online this summer 
and we've got we'll have um, we'll we'll have a full online version of that individual courses and there or just an EJS package deal and 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 want, for those that want to take like the full online EJS bundle package you not only are getting the recordings of the classes but you're getting live FaceTime with me with other EJS leaders on a weekly basis to pray with you to talk about how you digest the material um, we're gonna um, we've got information about EJS on our website storehousedallas.com slash EJS there's a there's a if you have questions about the online we're releasing more information about that but you can email me it's on our website but this is a great way to learn about how to get prepared and I want to address um, just any kind of fear um, there is a question here how do we prepare our families without living in fear of what is to come um, I just want to um, I want to encourage you yes we we need to be um, Number one, we need to be watching and hearing what the Lord is saying um, in a place of prayer. We need to be in the word of God. We also, it's, you know, it's good to be watching in the four areas that um, Matthew mentioned in the beginning. But I want to encourage you in something. Uh, it's easy to go down a rabbit hole on this. And you'll know you've gone too far when you're starting to make decisions out of fear or you feel any kind of fear, pay attention to your emotions. Because if, if, if what is being brought in is causing fear, you have to take that to the Lord and say, God, talk to me about this, because this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling fear, and I know fear is not of you. So, so what do I need to do? And he may tell you, you need to limit what you're doing and how much you're listening to what's happening in the world and come back and, and listen to me. And so I just want to encourage you in that because we need to make decisions out of faith and what the Lord is telling us to do, not out of fear, even though we understand what's happening in the world, in Israel, in the sky, and in the Middle East. Annie? That's it. Okay. Um, Okay, one more. I do want to talk. I do want to talk about the fact that the church is going to be here Absolutely. for the days to come, and I want us to address the uh, pre-trib rapture. Matthew, I am going to kick it off to you, and then I'm going to jump in. Okay, great. Um, well, Matthew 24 is again just our key place to go. But the question is, the dominant view in American evangelical Christianity is that in the end times, the church will be raptured before the Great Tribulation. Now, Matthew, when did that, when did that come in? When did that doctrine come into the church? That teaching came in the 19th century, 1830s, was uh, um, uh, proposed by John Nelson Darby and the Brethren Movement. And so before 1830s, there was no Christians believed that we would not be here for a persecution. Um, so for eighteen hundred years, they believed that we would the the right. the doctrine was that we would be here for the entire thing. Right. And so John Nelson Darby did bring in a great contribution to end time study. What was that? Is that he thought Israel was significant in God's end time plan. With Israel and, and with the temple destroyed in seventy A.D., with um, 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 the Jews out of the land for the most part for that next eighteen hundred years. Much of the church had spiritualized a lot of scriptures about Israel. So what John Nelson Darby did is he was looking at the Bible and he's saying, my Bible says Israel will be here. And so he kind of configured a whole eschatology 
where Israel played a crucial role. And so we, we, we really just say thank you, Lord, for that man bringing that back into the church. Um, they, well, that, that had left the church for the most part until the, until the first century. But the first century church, they expected to be here during the trouble. Um, so what would you, what are some of the scriptures that are used for pre-trib rapture? A pre-trib rapture. One, some of the most common here are Matthew 24, 40 to 41. You can jot these down if you'd like. There's First uh, um, um, Thessalonians 4, 15 to 18 is another big one. Um, and then Revelation 3, 10. And then a number of passages in um, um, throughout the book of Revelation that seem to say that the church is not here. So I just want to address some of those things. But um, first, let's turn to Matthew 24. Um, and we have this, um, verse 29. Because this is just, is just the foundational. Before you deal with these other verses, we need to look at what Jesus says. Because pre-trib theology is based on a lot of inferences of scriptures or scriptures that seem to say will be taken up before the trouble comes, but none explicitly state it. But here's what Jesus does explicitly say in Matthew 24, verse 39. Jesus, this is red letter. He's just talked about the world, the church, and the Middle East. And he says in verse 29 of Matthew 24, but immediately after the tribulation of those days, after the tribulation of those days. If you're listening online at home, I want you to say this word for me, but after the tribulation of those days. Let's give you a moment to say it there. After the tribulation, what's going to happen? The sun will be darkened. Moon um, will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Verse 30. And then the sun, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. That's the fourth place to watch. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming in the, in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather the elect, his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. So after the tribulation of everything for the past 28 verses, all of these signs in the sky happen. The Son of Man splits the sky and comes in the clouds. He gathers the elect. But notice this here is that everyone will see the Son of Man coming. The coming of Jesus is not a secret coming. It is loud, it is visible, and it's intense. Um, and, and every eye will see him and they will mourn. So not only will everyone see and recognize that Jesus is coming across the sky to gather the elect, which happens after the tribulation of those days, they will have a deep emotional response. Those that have rejected Jesus as Messiah, they will witness him coming in the clouds and they will mourn because they realize, oh, the Christians. I was wrong. I was wrong. Whoops. I mean, folks on the fence that didn't give their lives to Jesus before that time will say, I should have done that. The Antichrist will be, ah, Jesus is here. My kingdom is over. I mean, they, they will mourn. They will, have, they will see him. They will have a deep emotional response. They will hear him coming, okay? So that's foundational. Jesus explicitly says all of these things, which include the gathering of the elect, will happen after the tribulation of those days. Mm -hmm. So let's look at some of the common verses that seem to suggest a pre-trib rapture. Matthew 24, verse 40. Many are familiar with this. Then there will be two, man, two men in the field. One will be taken and the other left. 
Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Common classic proof text for a pre-trib rapture. They made a movie about it. That says, exactly. Whole Left Behind series is based on this and other verses we'll we'll go through. Um, This seems to say that when the trouble is coming, that one's going to be taken and the other away from the tribulation and that someone else is going to be left to stay in the tribulation. But notice that the scripture doesn't say where they will be taken. That the question is here, where are these people being taken? It doesn't say here. But it does say in Luke chapter 17, because this is, this is the same verse happens, one will be taken, the other left. The disciples ask him, ask him, where? Where will they be taken? Luke 17, 34 to 36. Jesus' answer to where will they be taken, where the body is, there the vultures will be gathered. That doesn't sound like good news. This is a parallel verse from Revelation 19. When Jesus comes, the heavens are open. Jesus comes riding on his white horse with all the armies of heaven against the Antichrist and his army. And it says that there is a great slaughter and an angel, huge angel, stands in the sun, (laughs) proclaims, he gathers the birds of the air to come and feed on the flesh of kings and Antichrist worshipers. God is gathering people. He's gathering the wicked to Jerusalem for a great slaughter before he comes and sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem. And where the body is, there the vultures will gather. I believe that's, an, that's, that's, that's um, a reference to Revelation 19, that the gathering of that is that the, the wicked will be gathered to be trampled in the winepress, it says in Revelation 14. Um, so this, is, this gathering, in my opinion, this, this being taken is not a good thing, okay? Um, saints want to be, we want to be taken in the sense when Jesus comes back, we want to be raptured with him, but, but this is, there's nothing in the text that explicitly states that a taking will happen before the trouble hits at all. And if anything, Matthew 24 and Luke 17 highly suggest that taking is a bad thing and refers to the wicked being gathered to be trampled in the winepress. So that's, a, that's one main verse. Another verse is in Revelation 3.10, where Jesus promises the church in Philadelphia. He tells them, um, to him who overcomes which is a very key passage, <laughs> very key phrase. To him who overcomes, he will be kept from the trial which is about to come to all those who dwell on the earth. Revelation 3.10. It seems to suggest that the overcomers will be kept from this great trial or tribulation that the rest of the book of Revelation talks about. Okay, so that seems to suggest a pre-trib rapture. But there's nothing explicitly in the text that causes us to believe that. Um, and here's why. Um, first of all, he only tells one of the seven churches that thing to him. And, and secondly, he says a small number of people within that church, well, hopefully it's not small, but it could be, is to the overcomers. So believing overcomers that overcome by not denying the Lord in the midst of pressure during persecution, um, that only those who endure to the end will be saved, it says in Matthew 24. Those will be kept from the trial that's coming in the sense that they will be protected. Okay, that's really key. So folks look at Revelation 3.10. And they right, we have to understand what kept means, to be kept. It didn't say to be taken away. Right. It said to be kept. Exactly. And, so, and folks will say, let's look at Noah. He was kept from the great flood. Let's look at the Israelites in Egypt. They were kept from the plagues that were released against Pharaoh. 
But then they jump from that conclusion to say, see, Noah was kept, the Israelites were kept, that means the church is going to be raptured and kept in heaven. Versus, they add an interpretation that is not in the text at all. What's important to know about Noah is that he was still, he was kept, he was protected in the ark, but he was still in the middle of the storm. I mean, it was all around him. You think waves weren't splashing yeah, up. And, and so, were the, so were the Israelites with Egypt. And in Egypt, the same thing. They were on the earth when the plagues hit. Now, God gathered them and kept them in Goshen. He protected them. He provided supernaturally for them, um, um, and, 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 and he preserved them. Um, but that doesn't mean that they were raptured away into heaven. The same way at the end of the age, the church will be here, and the overcomers, those that pay attention to how Jesus says to be awake, be watchful, be ready, you will be protected, you'll be sealed um, 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 and, and protected from the, from the coming judgment. You will be provided for supernaturally, um, and um, and you'll unfortunately we're going to be persecuted. That's <laughs> that's the bad news. We'll be on the earth to be persecuted. But but I, but I do want to jump in here for a minute and and just say in Revelation twelve after the seals have all been opened and Satan has been thrown out of heaven it says here in in Revelation twelve verse eleven and they overcame him meaning Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. I mean, we quote that all the time, but that's actually about being in the midst of great heartache, being in the midst of great persecution when Satan is cast out of heaven and is now down on the earth with us. And, and I want to I wanna just say this. There is a God is going to grace his saints for the, for the things that he's called them to endure. Yes. And so there is going to be a, I believe, a double portion, a double portion of grace, which is spoke of in in Zechariah four, that there is a grace, grace for the capstone generation, for the last generation on the earth, and and we will be graced to to endure so that it doesn't cause fear, but we are we are we are full of faith and we're full of boldness and we're full of courage in that hour, understanding the glory of God that is in us is greater than than uh, the darkness that is in the world and we are actually going to be the ones that are that are doing the harvesting that are multiplying the food that are healing the sick and it's going to be our finest hour absolutely i want to go to a couple more verses i know we're um we've been going for a while here but this is we get questions about this from our community and for folks online so i think it's important to address is first uh, thessalonians 4 this is another verse that seems to suggest to some that we will be um, raptured before the tribulation. We'll be caught up into heaven, and then the trouble will hit, the Antichrist will come, and everyone else will be um, left with that for seven years. First um, Thessalonians 4, verse 15 to 18. It's another key passage here. Paul says this, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. So this, very important. This is not just Paul's opinion here. This is the word of Christ <laughs> to Paul, to the church that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, notice that he says we, we who are alive, we Christians who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, we Christians, you and I, the church, the saints, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. 
people see this and they say this seems to suggest that there's going to be a private secret rapture of the saints that occurs before the tribulation hits. Um, I'm looking around at our folks in the room for those online. I realize you're on the you're online. You're like, why is he looking all over the place? We've got folks in here. Um, uh, um, um, no more than ten. But um, we uh, they they look at this. It seems to say that there's a secret rapture. But you look at the text. A couple of things to notice. First of all, um, it sounds very similar to Matthew 24 that we read earlier. What was similar about it? There's a descent of the Lord. There's loud sounds, a shout. There's a trumpet. There's angels involved, and there's the gathering of the elect. It it uses the word catching up here. Um, Matthew 24 made it very clear that all of those things happen after the tribulation of those days. And so I argue 1 Thessalonians 4 does not prove a pre-trib rapture. It actually proves a post-trib rapture. That that, um, um, all of these, and, and notice what it says here. This is not a secret coming. Jesus is descending, and it says in Matthew 24 that every eye will see him and will mourn. So they will see him and they will have a deep emotional response. It says that there will be a shout and a trumpet and that the the saints will be gathered. Matthew 24 is absolutely clear. It cannot be more explicit where Jesus says immediately after the tribulation of those days, these things will happen. And, And Paul, again, says we who are alive, we who are alive and remain, not those four foot, those poor folks who aren't saved don't get raptured and then become believers. He says, we who are alive and remain, all of these things will happen before the Lord returns. Um, right. And I mean, just practically, you can look in, in um, Revelation 14 and he says, you know, don't take the mark of the beast. Why is he taking, telling us not to take the mark of the beast if we're not even going to be here? So he gives us instructions on how to live during this time. And over and over and over in verses, uh, in chapters 12 and 13 and 14, he is, he's speaking to the saints that are still on the earth. Right. And, and folks, just as historically speaking, and as persecutions broke out um, throughout church history, we see this in literature, North Africa, there were, um, 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 I mean, throughout the Roman Empire, but in North Africa, we see all these accounts of martyr testimonies from second and third centuries. And uh, there are third, more people th- being martyred today right, right. in the, the believers being martyred mm-hmm. today than ever in the history right, of the church. Right, right. Um, so um, folks, in those martyr accounts, you can pretty much guarantee that the book of Revelation is going to be quoted in there. This was very real and active for them. They were like, the Bible has told us how to endure in the midst of pressure. Yeah, and trust so, me, the, the the Chinese church right now, when they look at this pre-trib rapture and not having to go through any tribulation or any kind of pain, they're, they're like, they're that is it. not true. They're in it. This is a yeah. Western. This is a Western doctrine. Right, right. So God has given these scriptures in Matthew 24, 25, Book of Revelation, all the prophets. He's given these to us because he wants his people prepared now. And he's raising up messengers across the earth to prepare yeah. his church. Wake now, up. And I want to say this, um, you may disagree with me, you may be from another church and your pastor disagrees with me, um, there are very, very intelligent people that love Jesus and that are winning souls that believe the opposite of what I'm saying right now. They believe in a pre-trib rapture, they have maybe preached it in the past month as COVID's coming out, um, and I just want to say honor and accept these as brothers and sisters in the Lord and acknowledge they truly love Jesus. 
And if they're winning souls, praise God. And I, and I honor them and I respect them. And I'm going to have dinner with them. I'm not going to get in a shouting match um, with them at the table. Um, and you don't need to do this with your family members. You just, you pray, you get in the word, be a Berean and see what the word of God is saying. But here's a, a I, I do want to be clear though. I believe that a pre-trib rapture theology is a serious error that will leave many believers unprepared and that will cause many to fall away at the end of the age. Because the pressure will get intense. And I mean, we see this in persecutions throughout church history. When Roman emperors started commanding Christians to go and offer sacrifices to the Roman emperor, many, many Christians did it. And I mean, it's just heartbreaking reading the history here. Right, and that's um, why I think in Matthew 24, when, when Jesus says, listen, I'm looking at the leadership of my church to speak the truth so that my people will be prepared. Right, and so what a pre-trib rapture, the danger of it, I believe, is an escapist mentality. I won't be here. I don't need to prepare. I don't need to know the scripture verses. And, and people are kind of cavalier about, it. oh, you know, it'll all pan out for me in the end. It will not pan out if you're not prepared. If you were not prepared with toilet paper and groceries, that first week of COVID quarantine did not pan out well for you. And I hope it is now. But I'm telling you, in the coming days, a greater shaking than COVID is coming. And God wants your heart prepared, your mind, and your body prepared for what is to come. Um, secondly, it can lead to fatalism. It can lead to, well, the world is just going to hell, so I don't need to try to bring the gospel to the marketplace. I don't need to try to transform the media or, or whatever. Um, um, folks, that's, 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 that is, that's not good. God has given the church here to be a light into every sphere, whether you're in the church you're in the education sphere. You're in the marketplace. Things are getting bad in places, but God wants light and transformation, and he wants to raise up a, a generation that's familiar with these scriptures and that's prepared for what's coming and that's, that's, that, that is excitedly welcoming Jesus back to the earth. Um, and so um, our theology here is the church will be here, but it will be a church that God right now is preparing. And you have an opportunity right now to be one of those that are prepared and to take time over the next two, five, ten years if the Lord tarries to get prepared for you, for your family, and to be a voice to other people. The Lord may come in ten years, and we want to be prepared. But he may tarry. He may come in decades. But the, 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 what that, if, he, if he delays his return... That means we need to start praying about a long-term plan on how I can get my children and grandchildren prepared for what's coming. Because what service am I doing to my kids and grandkids if I'm not preparing them for something that could very well, which I personally believe will happen in one of these generations' lifetimes? That's good, Matthew. So that's been a lot of information. We went long today, but we really felt like we wanted to convey fully uh, these, these answer these questions and fully uh, flush this out for everybody so that we are informed. But I do want to encourage you. EJS is a great way, not just for this, um, not just for the urgency of the hour, not just for the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel and to know the time of the end, but it's also um, a great course to 
teach and train on intimacy, how to know God, how to connect with God, how to prophesy, how to how to know how to to live uh, with uh, bridal authority, um, so that we can really make a difference with our lives in this world and um, and really be messengers for God in this hour. And so I really encourage you um, to go on uh, go on and register for EJS. You can do it in person if you're here in Dallas or want to come to Dallas. Or um, we're also going to have an online version that's going to be available. And so it's it's very affordable. Um, everybody that's ever gone through EJS, they go in one way and they come out another. And so there is transformation that happens in the process. Right. And if you're going to do it live or if you're going to do it online, I would like you to go online and fill out an application. And there's a comment spot at the end to you just where you're real clear. I'm interested in online. I'm interested in the live. And, and I call and I reach out to folks. Um, and so we can talk about it, answer any questions or details you have about that. But um, we just really thank you for being a part of this. Yeah. And um, if you have other questions, continue to send those info at storehousedallas.com. And um, um, we can, we do social media all throughout the week. We can tackle some more questions. We love you. We love you. And we're so grateful thank for you. you. And bless and we you. just, uh, we bless you today. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you.